1: is the middle chapter of the entire Bible. Psalm 117, before 118, is the shortest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119, after Psalm 118, is the longest chapter in the Bible. The Bible has, if you take a note to write it down, 594 chapters. before before Psalm 118, and 594 chapters after Psalm 118. If you add up all the chapters except Psalm 118, you will get a total of 1,188 chapters. 1,188 chapters, or Psalm 118, verse 8, is the middle verse Of the entire Bible. And wouldn't you think, are you listening? Wouldn't you think the middle verse of the entire Bible would be an important verse? I would think so. Psalm 118, verse 18 reads, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. It is a very, it's a God thing. It's a God thing. Now, if you compile, listen, if you compiled a list of the top five chapters in the Bible, you might come up with a list that looks something like this. Genesis chapter 1, I think that would be a biggie. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. We have the creation story in Genesis chapter 1. And then Psalm 23 might make that list. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures and so on. You know that one. And I think Romans chapter 8, the New Testament, I certainly think that would make the list. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And then John chapter 3, verse 16 is probably the most famous verse in all the Bible. For God so... Love the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I think that in this top five list of chapters in the Bible, I think that Luke chapter 15 might make it in that list. What we have here in Luke chapter 15 is Jesus gives us, are you taking notes? You want to write this down. Jesus gives us three parables. And the one woven theme of each of the three parables is something is lost and is found. And when it's found, there is rejoicing. Did you get that? The three parables in chapter 15. And in each of the parables, The one woven theme or the one fiber or thread that weaves through each of the parables is something was lost and is found, and when it is found, there is rejoicing. So this afternoon, we're going to look at the first two parables. Number one, we're going to talk about the parable of the lost sheep. And then secondly, we're going to talk about the parable of the lost coin. And then next week, we'll talk about the parable of the lost son. I've actually titled this sermon, or these couple of two sermons, The Joy of Finding the Lost, Part 1. And then next week, you guessed it, The Joy of Finding the Lost, Part 2. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, if you're looking at it, say amen. In verse 1, then all the tax collectors and the sinners, tax collectors and the sinners. I always want to say it like that. The sinners, all the tax collectors. They drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and does what, saints? He's rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, hey, guys, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say to you that likewise there will be more, what? joy in heaven over one sinner, not two, not three, not many, but over, how many? One sinner who repents, then over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And then in verse 8, the second parable, or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. And likewise, finally, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over how many sinners? One sinner who repents. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. If you were with us last week, you know that, uh, just show of hands, last week, show of hand last week, good, good number of you. So we learned last week that Jesus was traveling with a multitude of people, and people were following Jesus for all kinds of reasons. And then Jesus kind of stops, if you will, and he starts to talk about the demands of discipleship, or defining what discipleship is, and talking about the cost of discipleship, and we kind of outlined it, as uh, Jesus told us that if we want to be a disciple of his, and we're going to have to love him supremely, number one. And then number two, we're going to have to live like dead men. And then thirdly, we're going to have to consider the value of a good finish. And then number four, we're going to have to surrender to the stronger king. And then finally, number five, we talked about stay pure to preserve goodness. Again, if you can pick up a copy, you should today. So Jesus is still walking and talking and The makeup of the crowd changes. Are you getting that? Now there's sinners and tax collectors and Pharisees and scribes are drawing near. Now tax collectors in the Bible are the same as publicans. So someplace you'll read publicans and someplace you'll read tax collectors. They're all the same. In Jesus' day, it was like the IRS. And, um, And they were hated in Jesus' day. And let's just say... Um, the IRS is not like the whole bunch in our day. Let's say it like that. So these publicans, they were not liked, and tax collectors were a much hated people. Notice there were also sinners drawing near to Jesus. Now, the Pharisees considered, are you listening? The Pharisees considered anyone who they didn't deem holy was a sinner. Now, in the Greek language, this word sinner is just not like your ordinary run-in-the-mill sinner. I guess if you could have what you call an ordinary run-in-the-mill sinner, I'm not really sure what that is, but they're not the ordinary run-in-the-mill sinner, if you will. These guys were notorious sinners. These guys were famous for their violence. Notice in verse two, go ahead and peek at it in your Bibles, if you will. The Pharisees began complaining, saying, this man receives sinners. Now, I like to call this, you might want to write this in your margin, I like to call this the gospel in a grumble. The gospel in a grumble. They say, this man receives sinners. Listen, he did and he does receive sinners and I'm glad about it. Can I get a witness? He did, and he does, and I'm glad about it. These religious people didn't receive anybody that didn't look like them, talk like them, act like them, wear the same clothes as they did, and they said that this man received sinners, and notice, and he eats with them, and that's a big thing. You see, they're accusing Jesus of eating with sinners, and you ask, why, what is the reason that they're having such a conniption over Jesus eating with sinners? Well, we've got to understand this is a cultural thing. In that culture, when you sat down to eat with someone, you were entering into fellowship with that someone. There was kind of communal eating, you might want to call it. Like in our day, we can't even relate to this. I mean, we go out and eat, and we go to a restaurant, and they have our own place settings, our own fork, our own knife. You get your place setting, they get their place setting. Everybody has their own place setting. But in Jesus' day, when they ate, everyone ate from the same bowl. Like there might be a bowl in the middle of the table, and they would um, you know, have like a, a piece of pita bread or some kind of flat bread or whatever, and people would just kind of tear off a piece of bread, and then they would take the bread and kind of dip it into the bowl and just kind of grab whatever's in the bowl. I don't know why. Every time I think of this, I think of like cream spinach. Like, I don't even know why, because I don't even like cream spinach. But I think of like cream spinach in, in the bowl, right? And though you take your little piece of bread and you just kind of grab in there. And then everybody would just grab a little bit and they would just kind of... That's my nasty, noise-eating sound. And and just, you know. And then they would take the bread again and then you would go back and, and you would kind of double dip. You know, and you know at your parties, you're like, no double dipping. You know, no double dipping, but you would kind of take it and you go back and you and take a little bit more and, 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 and you would, you know, and then the person over here would take a little bit and, and everybody was eating from the same bowl. And thus, if you will, in effect, everybody was sharing the same spit. Isn't that gross? Aren't you glad you came to church today? Isn't that great? You just go home. What'd you learn today at church, honey? Oh, we all share the same spit. But everybody would share the same because you're all dipping into the same bowl. And thus, listen, there is fellowship and there is unity and there is oneness because you're all kind of sharing the same bowl. And that was the idea here. And that's why, listen, the Pharisees was having such a conniption because Jesus is fellowshipping, eating from the same bowl with sinners, tax collectors people that they didn't like. And so they looked at Jesus, and they're shocked that he would eat with sinners. Now, get this. Here's a side note. If you're taking notes, Bible students, listen, all three parables are in response to the statement, did you get this? Jesus receives sinners. When they made that statement, that is when Jesus began to speak in parables. And you'll notice, as we move through the parables, the lost sheep, the coin, the sun, the object that is lost becomes more valuable and they increase in value. You notice that. Number one, we'll talk about the parable of the lost sheep. Now, if you're taking notes again, the word parable is from the Greek word parabole, parabole. It comes from two words, para, which means to come alongside, and bole, which means to throw or cast. Para means to come alongside. We have in John chapter 16 where Jesus said the Holy Spirit, that Greek word there is paraclete, not parakeet. Don't get it twisted. Paraclete. I remember one time I was talking to somebody. I was telling them last service, I was talking to somebody, and and they just knew they were spiritual, just spiritual. And they knew the Bible, and they were just I don't know what they were trying to do. I don't know, impress me with their Bible knowledge or something. I don't know. And uh, they got the oh yes, yes, the Lord is so good. And oh, and they got to talk about the Holy Spirit. And yes, when the parakeet comes along, and I said, I'm looking at them like, then they looking at me like, why am I looking at them like? I'm like, it's not parakeet, and they said it twice, actually. That's what drove me nuts. Okay, one time is a mistake. Two times, you just don't know, okay? (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. Two times, you don't know. So I drive me crazy. I was like, okay, it's not parakeet, it's paraclete. The the Holy Spirit is going to come alongside. Do you understand that when you are sharing the gospel with people and you are telling them about the goodness of God and the love of God and that they need to repent, that they need to come to Jesus, they need to turn their hearts to Jesus, do you realize that without the work of the paraclete, the Holy Spirit to come alongside of them and convict them of their sin, they cannot be saved. Because at that point, the Holy Spirit does not live within them. The Holy Spirit does not take up residence in them. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of a non-believer, of a sinner, convicts them of their sin. Are you listening? Convicts them of their sin, and then they go, yes, 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 I need Jesus. I want to be born again. And it's at that point the Holy Spirit then lives within them when they receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. So para means to come alongside, bole means to, or bolo means to throw or to place. A parable is a story or an illustration thrown alongside a biblical truth. The Calvary Chapel people, y'all been here for a minute? Help me out. You know this, a parable is what? An earthly story, y'all help me out, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Okay, some of y'all don't know, write it down. All right. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I like to say a parable is a short little story with a great big meaning. And so the Pharisees and the religious folks are asking and with a judgmental attitude why Jesus was eating with IRS people and sinners. And Jesus begins to speak in a parable and he begins to tell a parable about a shepherd and a lost sheep. Now already, listen, the Pharisees don't like this conversation because Jesus is talking about shepherds, and Pharisees don't like shepherds. Oh, by the way, Pharisees don't like anybody who's not a Pharisee. But they especially don't like shepherds, and the reason they don't like shepherds is because in Jesus' day, shepherds was not a good. Shepherding was not a good occupation. Shepherds were considered low-class people. Shepherds were often thieves, robbers, drunks. They were low class people in that culture. Listen, they were the lowest of low in class. And don't you find it interesting that the angels would appear on Christmas morn to shepherds, to the lowest of low? You would think the angels to announce the birth of God would come and speak to kings and queens and prestigious people influential people rich folks no the angels show up and they talk to the lowest class of people he tells shepherds so the pharisees they didn't like where this conversation was going at all. Shepherds were, matter of fact, you, wouldn't, you weren't even allowed to marry a shepherd. Shepherds weren't allowed to testify in court. They were considered liars. So, Jesus, right off the bat, Jesus is saying something that stings them. Were you with me last week? Remember, we talked about one of the effects of salt. Are you listening? One of the effects of salt is an antiseptic, and an antiseptic stings. And right off the bat, Jesus is saying something that is stinging them. Now understand, in Jesus' day, the average landowner might have about 15 to 20 animals. So the shepherd in this parable might be someone paid to watch over the village sheep. So if one sheep goes astray, there might be several others or several owners upset with him. And if you lost the sheep, you had to pay for it. So Jesus says, what if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one got lost? Wouldn't that shepherd leave the 99 and go look for the one that was lost? Final answer, yes. And when the shepherd finds the sheep, he will rejoice. The shepherd's concern is for the lost sheep. The one who is not lost is not his immediate concern. And when he finds the sheep, the shepherd is happy. Now, I told you a little bit about shepherds. Let me tell you a little about a little bit about sheep. Taking notes, I use three D words to describe sheep. Dumb, defenseless, and directionless. Did you know that sheep are the dumbest animals on the planet? And you're probably thinking, well, then if the Lord says that we are the sheep of his pasture. That's not a compliment. (laughs) I'm like, hmm, I always thought I'm the sheep of his pasture. I'm God's sheep. Well, that is not a compliment. They are the dumbest animal on the planet. I mean, think about this. Have you ever seen a trained sheep in a circus? Never. You see a trained elephant, you see a trained horse, you see a trained bear, trained seals, but not sheep. Why? Because they're too stupid to train. They're too dumb to train. I remember one time I was traveling, I think, we, I'm pretty sure we were in West Virginia. And, and, and I, I love sheep. I, I really love sheep. Not just because I'm a pastor and a shepherd, but I love sheep and I like to collect them. And not, not the real ones, but... Y'all probably like, man, that, that his office must be mighty funky. I mean, <laughs> not the real ones, but like the 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 stuffed ones and all kinds of little figurine ones. I like to collect them. And I used to collect them, and I have tons of them now. And um and and one time in our church life, I got to tell you this. I didn't tell them the last three services, but I'll tell you what it's four services, four service. I used to collect them, and everybody in the church knew I I collected them. So people, honestly, I had to stop. Like tell people, okay, I'm no longer collecting them. Because people were like going on vacation and finding the weirdest, I got salt shaker sheep. Somebody bought me sheep pajamas. Now you ask me, you think I'm gonna go to bed with my wife with sheep pajamas on? She'll be like, what you? (laughs) You better get away from me. I had a sheep pajamas. I had a little thing that goes all the way down. I had a sheep like hat to wear to bed with the little ears like this. I'm like, y'all trying to make Pastor look like a fool. I had sheep pajamas. I had sheep, I had a sheep bank, like a little bank thing. I had all kinds of stuff. I, I was getting weird stuff, y'all. I'm like, you know what? I had to tell the church, okay, stop. I'm no longer collecting sheep, okay? Stop buying them. Because they were buying weird stuff that I'm like putting it in the weird stuff drawer, like, what is this drawer, you know? So, but I love sheep, and I love to collect them. And then when I'm traveling, if I see, like, a pasture of sheep, I'll, I'll stop because I just like to watch them. Sheep are interesting to watch. And, and, and I'll pull over. So this one time I pulled over and pulled over the side of the road, and, and there was a bunch of sheep there. And there's this one sheep, he, he was, like, staring me down. So I, I was like, you know, I was like, here, sheepy, sheepy. Come here, sheepy, sheepy, sheepy. And that sheep was looking at me like, what? It just wouldn't come. Sheep are are stupid. Sheep are, you ever see the sheep on TV and they're all nice and white and they're all clean and stuff? Sheep are filthy. So if they're all white and clean, that means somebody cleaned them or the shepherd cleaned them. Sheep are also, get this, directionless. They are directionless. Sheep will follow each other off a cliff. Now, you would think if you are in a line of sheep and one sheep is the head sheep, he's out there, and all of a sudden he just falls off and disappears, you would think one of the sheep would say, you know what, we should stop walking. (laughs) It makes sense to me, but they don't. They keep walking and they they will follow each other off a cliff. They're just like bang, 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 bang. Boom. And you know, the sad thing is, listen, I see that in church too. Isn't that true? Sheep following each other off a cliff. So this person gets upset with whoever, whatever, for whatever, who knows. But then they tell their friends and they tell their friends, and oh, we all need to leave that church. And I've seen people leave a church and they don't even know why they left. They left because, and this is by no means directed at anybody here and by no means directed at anything going on here because there's nothing going on here. I'm just telling you what I've seen as a pastor. Are y'all with me? I've seen sheep following each other off a cliff because they're following each other. You need to keep your eyes on Jesus. You need. I'm going to wait while you all clap your hands. Would you do that?